first of all, you always want to apply the skills that you have to your advantage and you'll always find success. So a lot of times when people would say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know. I would always say, use your skills to, as a fallback. Like just understand that you've been here before and you know what to do. average CEO reads 60 books per year, and many attribute their success to this habit of constant learning. This is the difference between those who actualize and those who fail. This automization of their learning, this 1% better every day. On the MentorBox podcast, we're making it easy for you to build and maintain that same habit, the same type of constant lifelong learning as those CEOs, simply by listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and tune in for new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and every Friday. And if you want to dig deeper into what our incredible guests teach, make sure to go to mentorbox.com and become a member today. Everyone, welcome to the MentorBox Podcast. You are listening because you are a person of action. But action, of course, must be supported by deep knowledge. Education is a deliberate, lifelong pursuit. And you know that the fastest, most effective way to learn is from the masters themselves. By harnessing the power of the world's top innovators and thought leaders, you too can effect positive change for your community, business, and the world at large. That's why today we are speaking with CJ Johnson Jr. CJ is a filmmaker turned influencer. He works in the realm of fashion and consultation and mentorship. He's a creative at heart. He's worked in Hollywood in the role of director, producer, screenwriter, you name it. Now he's developed his own personal brand based on his virality. Today we're doing something a bit different. We've invited Deontay Arnold, MentorBox videographer and editor, to join the conversation. All three of us studied film in school in different capacities, so we figured why not triple up and see what comes of the conversation. You're going to enjoy this one. Thanks, guys. Hello, 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 and welcome to the MentorBox podcast. I am your host, Tyler Lay, content coordinator of MentorBox, and today I have with me Deontay Arnold, who is MentorBox's lead video editor. Deontay, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Of course. And as a guest today, we have CJ Johnson Jr. CJ is an influencer, big time Twitter guy, huge on Twitter, also big on all sorts of social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, has a background in film, is currently an influencer, a brand guru, a consultant, coach, a number of different things. CJ, it's great to have you here. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, the reason that we have three folks in today, for those of you that are wondering, we haven't done this yet. It's a bit of an experiment. But CJ, like I said, has a background in film. He went to school in L.A. Deontay went to school for film and photography in San Francisco here. And I went to school for film and also English literature in Boston, Massachusetts at Boston University. So we each have sort of a, a different experience within the industry. Uh, I think it'll be a cool, you know, experiment to just kind of have a, a three-way conversation and, and see where that goes. But because we have such expert talent in with us and CJ today, I want to start with you and just ask if you can give a bit about your background and your history and 
a broad overview of the sort of scope that you've worked in in film and elsewhere. Oh, wow. Sure. Yeah. So um, I have uh, 15 years of experience in the entertainment industry. I uh, worked on short films, music videos, films, television. I came out to Los Angeles to be a screenwriter and director. And also an actor. I have to be real. I was also trying to do the acting thing, just not taking it super serious. And I found a lot of success working in different roles of production, post-production, and pre-production just because I was interested in learning as I was going to film school. And then post-film school, I was a video editor at Mattel Toys. And while I was doing that, I was able to fund my own independent projects, science fiction, horror, short films uh, that I directed and wrote, produced. I'm in a horror film aesthetics book on uh, cinematography. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> my, uh, my short film is uh, screened all around the world. Um, and what's that called again? I, so I have, I, okay, so I, I did this short film called Creepers. Mm-hmm. And it was basically like a contemporary version of The Evasion of the Body Snatchers meets Night of the Living Dead. Oh, wow. So this was prior to The Walking Dead. So there wasn't a lot of zombie-esque type things going on. So people were very excited about it. And I mean, it was in Fangoria, uh, which like any horror buff will know is like the shit. And um, <laughs> and then I made um, I made a couple of other short films, but the next one that actually changed and, and shaped my career was called Genesis. And it was a short film about um, basically like Blade Runner meets uh, X-Men. So it was about this uh, dude hunting down his own and uh, there's like a twist at the end where it's revealed that he himself is like a mutant. I can use that word. That's a common terminology these days. Yes. <laughs> uh, everybody's a comic book nerd these days. And the reason why that was so interesting was that it was filled and loaded with visual effects. But also we shot half of it on the iPhone. The cinematography was was awesome. It went viral on, on Vimeo. Did um, a lot of behind the scenes photography for it, promotional materials for it. And because it was so popular, a lot of people asked me how I was able to get it to go viral, how I was able to get so much publicity and marketing and social media following was growing from a lot of that. And people were just wondering how that all worked at a time when nobody knew how. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of transferred yourself into the realm of teaching others how to build themselves as a brand, build brands and just and absolutely. bring attention through social media just in general. Yeah, absolutely. It started out as like actors, actresses, models, uh, filmmakers, they were asking me questions. Uh, then it was like producers. And then all of a sudden, you know, I needed to get a day job and I was like, okay, I think I can maneuver into this space. And then it was brands and digital agencies. It, it was uh, it was very interesting the way that it sort of unfolded. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then somehow, some way, floated into that tech environment mm-hmm. and applied all the skills that I had learned from the entertainment industry and applied them to business. Yeah. Did you just spoil the movie for us, by the way, Genesis? Genesis? <laughs> it's uh, like he's a mutant. At yeah. The yeah, well, I did. We'll, we'll have yeah, to I cut did. that but out you know for what? our it's listeners, a, but we'll never unhear <laughs> it, unfortunately. It's a, it's a seven and a half minute movie. And you know what? Like, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I think it's it's really remarkable how you how you made this transition. I mean, it's remarkable in the first place that you accomplished those things, you know, filmmaking is so difficult. I was very deliberate in getting two equally impractical degrees. So (laughs) literature and film, but I always knew that I wanted to go into publishing and then ended up coming to mentor box to kind of, you know, make change in a lot of ways for people and just put out content that I think is highly beneficial on a regular basis. And it sounds like 
you know, you are ultimately doing that and you've done so in a number of different ways, but you had some success in, in the sphere of art and media. And I think that's something that I'm just so intrigued by because that is such a difficult space, especially when you're actually like in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And, um, it can get a little bit cumbersome sometimes because you're in a space where you're constantly created by hustlers. Yeah. Um, that are absolutely, everybody's trying to do the same thing you're doing. And I think the reason why I found a lot of success at a lot of different avenues is that I always approached it differently than the way other people approached it. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing the entertainment thing, I approached it from the, the, from the world of like a businessman. Okay. Right. Because a lot of my experience came from CEOs, executives, producers, executive producers, directors. So a lot of people, they were calling the shots. I learned a lot from them. So then when I transitioned to business, I wasn't intimidated by a CEO. I wasn't intimidated by a marketing manager. And I was coming at it from the standpoint of creativity and artist. But I understood the language that they were speaking. So whenever they were like, hey, we need to save costs. Well, guess what the name of the game is with entertainment? Saving costs and being creative. So when you're finding creative solutions in an environment where they're asking you, hiring you to find creative solutions, you're going to find it. And one of the things that was so interesting about it was that these businesses and brands, what do they need? They needed creative materials. They needed marketing and PR. And a lot of times they wanted to hire an outside agency or an outside consultant, and they couldn't necessarily afford an agency. So they would get a consultant, a one-man team, which happened to me. Hey, me, the independent <laughs> filmmaker, I know how to do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. One-man wrecking crew. Yeah, yeah. For, for a long time, I was I was like the one-man machine because I could do videos, photos, and everything else sort of like came in, came under the umbrella. Um, social media played a critical role. Publicity, because I used to do publicity for myself and understood that game from film. Yeah. yeah. I'm really curious as to how you how you developed your interest in film because, or, you know, in film, media, TV, all of that, because you've told me now that you wanted to be a a writer, director and an actor and and all of that. And for a while, that's exactly how I wanted to be too, you know, really just be like a Tina Fey type person, (laughs) really just, and just make it all happen. But for so long, I understood that that meant, you know, moving across the country, which I now have done. And it just, (laughs) it seems so foreign to me and, and so wild. And I think of you as, as having, gotten to that space in a lot of ways and then made a transition away from it for, and you've told us, you know, you had some deliberate reasons for doing that. How do you navigate and take advantage of the the sort of power that you have now as an influencer and the people that you know? You, you now know a lot of big names and you worked under them. You just explained how you, you know, you took that experience working under them and you applied it to your career. But how do you actually navigate working or knowing those people and being friends with some of them, you know, actors, celebrities, whatever? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a really good question because I've been getting asked that a lot more. But the way that I always look at it is, is first of all, you always want to apply the skills that you have to your advantage and you'll always find success. So a lot of times when people would say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I don't know. I would always say, use your skills to, as a fallback. 
Like, just understand that you've been here before and you know what to do. Just like you were saying, like, man, like, I never thought I would, you know, move across the country. And here you are yeah, moving yeah. across the country. <laughs> uh, same thing with you. You're like, you know, you, we're, all, we're all living our dreams here or stepping stones to pursuing those passions. And when it came to navigating personalities, that was always the stressful, stressful part of all of this. Because in entertainment, there's all these huge egos. And then I moved into a space where it wasn't a multi, it wasn't like a couple hundred million dollars. It's a couple of billion dollars that we're talking about now. So the egos were the same, but just in different ways. So how did I navigate that? How do I navigate influencers and a celebrity and all that? What I do is I humble myself and I sort of remove myself from those situations, honestly. I focus on what the objective is and the biggest impact I can make to the world. And I feel like me being sincere and authentic with that message with anybody that I talk to absolutely has awarded me success. It's been difficult. It's not always easy, but I feel like being honest with yourself and being honest with others makes things run a lot smoother. So when I was in the space of running a digital agency and we were crushing it with influencers, it was very easy for me to pitch our agency to brands because I'm like, hey, well, I'm an influencer and influencer is my peer. So therefore, no matter what, you're always going to get a cheaper price point working with me than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I also understand all of this so I can teach you things, save you money, save you time. I'll take care of you. And on the other side of that, influencers, doesn't matter how big they are, even celebrities, it doesn't matter. They themselves don't quite understand how business works. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, and they might understand how to blog, how to do an Instagram post and make the perfect photo and the perfect video. And they know how to do it for nothing. But they also don't know how to make money. Some of them are broke as 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 hell. Excuse me, everyone. <laughs> it's my job to sort of help mentor them. Yeah, mentor box, everyone. Um, it's my job to and my job to be that bridge for brands as well. And now that I'm doing more of the influencer component myself, I don't have to lean on other influencers. I can lean more on my skill set, which is the creative skill set. So then that deliverable for the influencers has shifted a little bit, right? So now it's like, hey, I can hook you up with this brand and I can also shoot you. And that benefits all three of us. I feel like, um, well, just the fact of being an artist, you have a responsibility to to educate and to help and to um, to, to mentor, as you said. And um, one of my personal philosophies is uh, the fact of being an artist means to uh, change consciousness. And I personally try to change consciousness for the greater good. Like, what do I what do I want to be, or what should I project into the world that I want to see. And in my art, I do the same thing. And anything that I do, I try to do it with the same type of focus and attention I would put into my art and my craft. Because ultimately, like that is like everything I do is a reflection of me. And I want to just show that 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 um that there's actually something that is meant to be good in the world. And I see like what you're doing is just a translation of your art. And you're applying the same skills that you've learned. And now you're just teaching and 
mentoring in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, first of all, I agree with that philosophy and not everybody shares that same opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and I, name some names. <laughs> name drop time. Uh, and that's the struggle too, is um, when you're asking how to navigate these different personalities and how I do that, that's tough. Cause I, I coming from the standpoint of an artist, I'm literally like, well, done makes sense that we work together because we can do something special. And they may be looking at it in a completely different, if a different, you know, space. And that's true. I've definitely, you know, uh, just like, you know, uh, asking somebody out and they're like, I'm washing my hair. I'm not available. Like same thing with you. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> Does that happen to you? No, that, no, but I've seen it in movies. So <laughs> everyone, <laughs> applying pop culture everywhere I go since, yeah, since 83, holler. <laughs> no, um, it, dealing with different personalities is, re- is, is probably the toughest part about doing all of this, navigating that. But understanding why I'm doing it and deliberately doing it for positive reasons, I feel like is a very prime example of manifesting and creating more positive opportunities for yourself, even if they don't all come at once and even if it doesn't seem like it will. Being truthful to yourself. So I love the entertainment industry. One of the things I don't like about the entertainment industry was that there's a lot of superficial aspects to it and there's a lot of toxic personalities. And as much as I love art, technology was also evolving in a way where it's like, wow, I don't really need to be around these toxic toxic personalities. And I can actually help somebody put something out in the world in a different way. So that's the way that I sort of approached a lot of this. You've mentioned ego a few times and just the, the <laughs> problematic people. And those are some toxic personalities, of course. Mm-hmm. Mentor Box is pretty, it's a pretty strong advocate of, you know, shedding yourself of ego. We've spoken with Ryan Holiday a few times. Who, awesome. You know, ego is the enemy, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And that's one of CEO Jonathan's, you know, primary mantras, um, shedding the ego. And, I want to ask about how you deal with those <laughs> particular personalities, the more egotistical ones, because I, I'm sure that, Deontay, you deal with some as well in, in, in the models that you shoot right. and that oh, sort yeah, of thing. Totally. I love Will, our videographer, always says, I never understand why male models never smile. And I'm not sure. Oh, why. yeah. Maybe that has something yeah. to do with ego or just like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like you've both probably dealt with those personalities. Definitely yeah, a, a comment on masculinity. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely one of those guys who doesn't smile a lot. But <laughs> as you can see, I can have a good time. So it's of like course. you've been smiling the whole time you've been. Yeah, so. yeah. But when I'm modeling, it's like <laughs> he's making a frowny face. Everybody, so <laughs> that was that was a smoldering look. Actually, <laughs> thank you. Frowny and now we have Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what is it like to deal with those with those folks? I mean, how or do you have strategies for dealing with it at this point? Because I feel like it's it's endemic of Hollywood in some ways. Yeah. So uh, so okay. So so look. So first of all. I did have to develop strategies for it when I went into the marketing sphere because it was much more apparent than the entertainment industry. And the reason why is because the entertainment industry, you sort of expect people to act a little wacky because there's a creative artistic process and there's not, there's long hours. So by the way, everybody, in case you don't know, when you see somebody slip up and say something stupid and you're like, why, how could they possibly say that? Probably because they were doing whatever they were doing for like 10 straight hours. They were exhausted. They were exhausted (laughs) and they weren't thinking straight. Like that's just sort of the way that it goes, right? Because a lot of things that people don't 
aren't quite, they don't know, you know how this all works. Like somebody doing a TV show interview, they're recording it in the morning, early in the morning, or doing a radio show that's like five or six o'clock in the morning. Um, so, you know, come on, man. Not, not everybody's like, you know, swinging for the fences the right way. So the entertainment industry, the egos, it was a little bit more acceptable. Now it's not, right? Because now we talk about, hey, dude, like you can't be operating under these uh, sexist, racist rhetoric and and say all these like, bullish comments and think that you're not going to get some repercussions from it. With business, it was very different because you didn't know when to expect it. And a lot of people mask those those toxic personalities very well. Mm -hmm. So there's two things I always hear. One, nobody's ever heard of this idea before. (laughs) And then the second one is, I just want to create an awesome team culture. Those are two of the top things I hear everybody say. Now, seeing that in practice, the very people that say that don't actually live by that. So it was very confusing coming from somebody that was like, oh, wow, this is different. Like this person's talking different. Like they're not swearing all the time. They're not doing this and that. They're not chomping on cigars. Like nobody's walking around half naked. This seems kind of reasonable to me. And then it turns out they're like even worse. And one of the strategies that I kind of came up with was one, listen, if it ever gets too insane, too toxic, I just shut up and I listen and I slow things down and I ask questions about how we can problem solve together. So it actually helped me be a much better problem solver. Um, You can't avoid it because it happens. One of the things that I will say about the ego is this. You do need to have some sort of ego to find success in anything you do. You have to be a little cocky. You have to be a little bit arrogant. It's true. Confidence in general. Confidence in general. Highly. Absolutely. And listen, I'll take it a step further. I think it's okay for somebody to be like arrogant. Mm -hmm. I do. It's just that you have to understand. You have to understand how that works from a very personal standpoint. So yeah, maybe you think you have the best product on the planet. Okay, great. Show me. Don't just say it. You got to back it up. <laughs> Thank you. You know, if you think you're the best CEO that ever lived, show me. What, what, where, where are those, those metrics, those tangible things to back that up, right? And then you get to say that. I'll go the distance and say it for you. And you can't control that. You can't control that. Um, you can't control egos. You can't shut that down. So you have to maneuver and... I'm a big proponent of confrontation. So instead of me being an avoidant, I would prefer to go at it straight on. So I look for strategic ways to problem solve. Hey, I hate to interrupt this conversation with CJ Johnson Jr., but I just wanted to let you all know where you can learn more about his branding and influencer advice. He did a workshop on all of this and much, much more exclusively for MentorBox Online. To access that, plus tons more, go to MentorBox.com. All right, back to the show. I once had a situation, which is sort of what made me trans, sort of made me and my partner transition away from our digital agency. It was sort of the not a last straw, but it was sort of an issue that we kept seeing was a growing occurrence, which was that the expectations that a lot of people had for success for their startups, mostly this is mostly startups, was just so unrealistic. And it was all coming from what they were reading. Like somebody would read a Tim Ferriss book and be like, Tim Ferriss said this. Or somebody would read some inspirational, motivational podcast or listen to something that their parents said. And we deal with a lot of like wealthy 
early 20s people that like just they always had money and they have money to like invest in themselves mm-hmm. so they feel like they have something to prove to their wealthy something or other yeah, uncle father grandpa and there's nothing wrong with that um i think that's awesome uh, that you have the tools and resources to use to your advantage but what was happening was it was turning into a little bit of a toxic environment with that because then they would lean on not so awesome business practices. And I had a conversation with someone where basically what happened was they had built this very successful brand under a year. And wow, like talk about a huge, I can't say the name of the brand because I signed it in NDA. But when I say that they did an amazing job on their own, it was just two guys. They did an amazing job on their own to the point where they both like made a million dollars each off of like Instagram under one year. And the second year, they both decided to follow through with the strategies that they've been reading about, which is what? Outsourcing work. Mm -hmm. So they hired my agency to do the marketing and PR for them. And everything that we did that we would normally do that was best practices or everything that we would try that we knew was going to work, it worked. But they didn't really like the way that it was working because couldn't quite figure it out. And then one day, one of them calls me and we like, just irate with me. And he's like, I just saw something on Reddit and it just like, I'm very upset and angry and just wondering who did this and who did what. I'm like, slow it down. What happened exactly? And basically what happened was we were doing growth hacking and we wrote a third party blog post that was like, oh, um, this brand is so awesome. And through, through our names out there of like an announcement of like, oh, we're working with them. Just a typical PR thing. And they were really upset. And it was really funny because the person that was so upset, he was the CEO, he was so upset. And I realized as I was listening and asking him questions, the reason why he was so upset was because we put our names in there. And he thought we were taking credit for the success that they built. And he didn't actually read what was written there. And he didn't quite understand growth hacking because they've never done that before. So he was like, you need to take care of this right now. You don't seem like you're taking this very seriously. And it was honestly just me just being quiet listening. I need to hear from you. I'm sorry, and I will never do this again. And beg and beg me for, for, for my forgiveness. <laughs> and I had to pull the phone away for a moment. That was like probably the first time in a really long time that I was like, I don't know exactly how to handle this because I have this like young man who's like obviously upset, doesn't quite know why he's upset, doesn't quite understand the severity of the situation. And he's talking to me and he doesn't know that I'm, I will literally reach through the phone and choke him out. Like, <laughs> I, it's not like I don't know where he lives um, and he already paid me. So it's like, I, I mean, I, I just had to like, this is a do or die like moment. This is like a true test of my character. So I said, well, listen, one, I apologize We'll remove that right now. As I'm on the phone, removed. How would you like for us to proceed in the future? He was still mad. I'm sure, yeah. (laughs) And obviously at that point, he's not even mad at me, right? He's mad at something else that's going on internally with him. And um, we hang up. I talked to his partner and his partner was like the complete opposite. He was very laid back. And he was like, oh, well, you know, misunderstanding, no big deal, yeah, whatever. And it was really funny, right? So what I did was I called back the CEO and I said, listen, 
first of all, you don't have any business talking to me the way that you did, man. I'm not going to, you can't talk to me like that. Like, let's just keep it professional. I think you're a cool person on a personal level. Don't talk to me like that again, ever. I won't talk to you like that either. Okay. Let's, let's have mutual respect. And if you can't do that, then we got to part ways. Another thing is, let me apologize. I take full responsibility for anything that happened and was said. And I should have taken a little bit of a better precaution. And I will do so moving forward. So I took ownership of something and wanted to like, again, just be honest and truthful and talk to this person. And it was very interesting because, you know, what his response was, was like, I one, I first of all, his tone was completely different. And he was like, oh, I really appreciate that. I think you're a really cool person too, blah, 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 blah. And then he sort of revealed something that probably was the main reason why he was so upset, which is he was always uncomfortable with putting his name out there. He was always uncomfortable with publicity. He was always uncomfortable with putting himself out there even on social media. And I couldn't help but take a look at his social media feed and every photo of him was a silhouette. (laughs) There was never a clear... And he's a good looking dude. You'd think this is something that you tell your agency though when you start to work with them. Like, I don't I don't feel that comfortable being like mentioned or put out there. But sometimes people say it. Yeah. And sometimes so what happens a lot, and, it, and I'm glad that you brought that up. What typically happens is they do say that. And what typically happens is the opposite is is true. So they may say that they hate it and don't want the attention because they don't want to sound arrogant, but they really, really want it. Oh, don't put me on Instagram. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. do it. I, want, I will never forget once. This was so hilarious to me. And it pissed off everybody. That, it pissed off the like the rest of this guy's like team. But it was the CFO who is basically there was like a, a, a taping of like um, some reality TV show that we got them booked on. Um, that was like talking about the baddest like LA tech startups that are coming, and all of the executives who were again twenty somethings, <laughs> so so many twenty somethings, and everybody wanted to go. Everybody was excited. Everybody was getting the rundown of what to do, what not to do. You know, going through everything, and then the CFO was in the corner, like, "Do I have to go? <laughs> do I have to be there?" And everybody was like, "No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't." And he's like, I don't know if I want to do this. God, you guys just go without me. And then we all go to leave. And who's the who's the la- who's the first person in the van or the car for us to? Leave? Hey guys, so like you know, what else do we, like? What are we gonna do? What are you gonna, like <laughs> we get there and that person turned up. I mean, like talk about somebody that was like trying to get in every shot. So that's typically what happens is like they're like in the beginning they're like no 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 this person and the next thing you know they're like no no me 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 me. And then typically what happens is like when they get a lot of publicity, that's really where the ego thing gets a little bit weird in the tech space. I've only seen this in the tech environment because the entertainment industry, again, you know where egos stand. In tech, not so much. So what happens sometimes is that like, I saw a lot of like social network situations up close where some dude, they didn't think really wanted the spotlight, really wanted the spotlight and was very resentful that somebody else was getting it. And a lot of heads budding And um, yeah, man, like doing this, I eventually like understood that there's like a, I'm basically like a therapist, (laughs) like (laughs) a marketing consultant is a PR consultant. Like it's the same thing as being a therapist for someone because you're listening to all these problems and you're trying to problem solve on how to make their lives better. Mm -hmm. Deontay, do you have similar experiences with, I don't know, other artists or other subjects that you've worked with? Well, I feel like as an artist, um, 
being a problem solver just comes second nature. Um, I'm extremely used to making do with what I have. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's why it makes me an effective filmmaker and um, photographer because nine times out of ten, I'm using equipment that I don't necessarily even own or stuff that I don't know how to use fully or I'm doing the jobs of 12 different people at once. When it comes to problem solving, is this something that you do? You just handle the problem. Now, that goes hand in hand with working with talent. I feel that um, anytime I work with um, actors or models, I have to judge and assess the situation and understand who they are as a person and what needs that need to be met for them to be comfortable. Because if my talent isn't comfortable, I'm not going to be comfortable. And obviously my art, whatever I produce, is going to be a reflection of the environment. So if everything's a disaster and my model is uncomfortable, I feel uncomfortable and the pictures look like trash, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes you do have to play therapist. You have to sit down and before a shoot say, hey, so... um, Let's talk. Let's make you comfortable. <laughs> right. What what can I do to make sure that all your needs are satiated? Yeah. I think this says a lot about authenticity as well, being an authentic social relationship with that person, which CJ is something that you've mentioned many times in your lectures today and probably already in this podcast. Can you address how you maintain your authenticity through all of this? Yeah. You know what? It's um, that, And that is tough. I imagine. Yeah, that's very tough. I'd probably say that being true to yourself is always going to be like one of the toughest components of a life, mm-hmm. especially when you're like in real life situations and tested. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and I think that like the thing that helps with that is uh, discipline and repetition and, and really under, really going over it with yourself of like, what is it that you want and how can you get it? And how do you want to be seen? And like, you know, let that be a true test of your character. So I've been in situations where I've absolutely like bombed and failed. I'm going to fail again and again and again, hopefully, because um, I always learn from my mistakes. But I never regretted it if I was being authentic, um, authentic to myself. And I did regret it if I felt like I wasn't. And I think that's sort of like what drives me a little bit when it comes to authenticity and understanding like, okay, well, I'm a marketer or I'm a content creator or I'm an influencer or I'm a writer or whatever. And as long as I'm doing it the way that I feel like is the best way to do it, I'm being truthful to myself. And if I'm expressing that to whomever I'm dealing with and they're on the same page with me, I'm being authentic. And the moment I lie or placate or like sugarcoat something or not say something, Man, I, I can't tell you. Every one of those situations came back and bought me in the ass. Bite me in, bought me, bite me in the ass. Sorry, I was bitten in the ass. That's what I'm trying to say, everyone. Bought you in the ass. Bought me in the ass. <laughs> I want to ask both of you how you engage in your respective interests in the artistic space. So, CJ, you're you're mostly like sci-fi uh, horror type genre. Is that where you spend a lot of time? Um, I used to. You used to. Um, you know, now it's, um, it's, it's very different. Now. Okay. Are, but, are you still engaging in artistic project projects with your influence there? Directly? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Not necessarily with sci-fi and horror, but absolutely with artistic endeavors. Um, that's basically why people come to me. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's for, for the benefit of Okay, that dude's style and, and and creative vision is is like cool with me. I'd like to apply what I'm doing to that, or they're asking for my tips and advice on a particular matter. Mm-hmm. So, 
and Deontay, I know you're kind of psychological thriller end of things. Nice. Um, how do you guys, you know, grasp the sort of heft of precedent that exists for those for the genres that you exist in? I mean, I'm sure you're consuming it all over the place. And we've talked about comic books a little bit and how we, we <laughs> yeah. all kind of read a ton of comic books. But how do you feel about actually inserting your work into those spaces? I, I know that you're both eager to and already have been doing that. Um, on my end, I'm more on the sort of research nonfiction end, I guess. I, I did a lot of like history, um, film history type stuff primarily. But you guys are really in that creative sphere. And I want to hear from both of you how you how how you have that confidence, first of all, to make it happen, but what the process is to get to that point where you can submit something. Well, personally, I feel that um, I'm in a space where I am afraid if I do put out a certain form of work that it will be misinterpreted. Um, I feel that's one of my biggest fears. And when I, um, when I create my short scripts and um, do, um, I'm working on a series right now that's going to be based on uh, seven uh, princes of hell. So when Lucifer fell, he, he wasn't the only one to fall. And so I want to dive into a lot of the mythos of, um, of the other that we don't get, that we don't see. And it's interesting because I get pushback from multiple angles, um, especially when you, when you want to talk about something biblical. There's a lot to be discussed. And one of my biggest fears is me being misrepresented or misinterpreted. And that has happened to you in it the has. past, right? Yes, it has. Yeah. I actually have a series that was just recently pub published by Dark Beauty Magazine. Um, it's called To Dissolve and Coagulate. And I did a series of 13 photos of mouths. And um, each mouth, uh, the model was able to represent whatever they wanted as long as they used a splash of blood. And so this was um, something that I wanted to do personally, just as a great exercise with um, shooting with different dynamic models and showing um, almost like a critique on society to where you can simply just put an image, the same image of different people, just the mouth with a little bit of blood and how it could be interpreted. And I've gotten so many different types of um, comments and critiques on it, everything from like the male gaze and how I'm objectifying these models and how it's stating violence towards women. Mm -hmm. And my only rebuttal has is, is to be that truthful. That wasn't your intent. It's not, not my intent. And I said, well, this is obviously a lot of what you're projecting onto my work. This is what you want to see mm -hmm. on my work. And I said, these, they're not even all female models. And there's nothing provocative about any of the images, and, except for, like I said, a splash of blood. And so um, it, it's a, it's a, it definitely opens up a conversation for the viewer because projection is a huge thing, I feel, especially in the art world. People will see what they want to see Absolutely. regardless of the intent. That's something Absolutely. I'm very self-conscious about when I consume art. I'm always like, okay, how do I be as objective as possible? Right. It's really not a thing that you can do, I guess, at the end of the day is yeah, be objective. It's oh, man, that's a – wow, that's – damn. I mean, you know, you're, you're right. And also at the same time, like, you know, that takes a lot of mental – exercising yeah. to like even want to do that. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so most of us don't really want to like go through the trouble of that. Yeah. Um, yeah it's hard. But also at the same time, like, you know, I mean, I think that's the reason why sometimes I, I used to watch certain movies for different reasons. 
So I would watch the same movie for the experience of watching a movie. And then the next one, it was from a completely technical standpoint. And then the other one was from a um, from an acting standpoint, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So then that way I was able to basically like, okay, you know, it was not that great of a movie, whatever. And then I watch it again and I'm like, oh, well, there's some cool shots, you know. And I always try to err on the side of like positivity anyway. Uh, not to say that I can't be a negative person uh, when I'm hangry. And, um, <laughs> as, as, as everyone will tell you. Um, but that's interesting that that happened to you. That's not necessarily happened to me with a lot of things. I will say that as a photographer, I would shoot a lot of gorgeous models all the time. And it was really funny because I'd always have this, I would always have this conversation with people, especially people that I dated. They were like not super into that. They're like, why are you shooting these like hot women? And, you know, at first I was like, well, because it's like art and like, it's just like a hot girl and I'm getting paid for it. So I mean, like, what's the big deal? Um, But then it's like started to become like a little bit of a thing because people like, I didn't realize that people were seeing me as this dude shooting all these hot girls. So obviously I'm sleeping with one of these hot girls. And it's like, that never even came up. It doesn't cross your mind at all. I was always in a long-term relationship. So like, that wasn't even a thing. And um, so that's like how something can get misinterpreted. And the funniest part about that, by the way, is that I would be shooting guys too. Mm-hmm. So nobody talked about the guys. Exactly. They just cared about the girls. Exactly. I was like, what's going on? Uh-huh. And it was always, and it was so funny. I tell this to people all the time, you know, marketing and social media marketing, the world of Instagram is really funny because this is what would happen. If I were, when I was going heavy on photography and I was posting photos of hot girls, I would be getting direct messages from other hot girls that wanted to be photographed. Mm -hmm. And then when it was like me as a dude, like me in front of the camera, then brands would be coming to me Mm. saying that they wanted to work with me as a model. So it's very interesting the way that like people can perceive things. And and so now like there's this really funny thing going on right now where people are like, oh, you're a model. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's, the, that's the one thing I've never sure. been called before. Um, sure, yeah. And but the but at the end of the day, I'm an artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I stopped photographing um people in general wow. as much and start outsourcing it to other um friends and colleagues and and actually just dope artists that are willing to like take on some assignments for different brands and projects that I work with. Um, and that was like all strategic because I felt like my calling was different at this stage in my, uh, in my life. Um, so being an artist now is like a little bit different than the way that I was before. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's your responsibility as an artist to grow though. Correct. Like constantly changing oh, yeah. and learning and growing. And that's one thing I, I try and I love about MentorBox is the fact that I have so much just exposure to to knowledge and to learn and to, to sit with, you know, amazing like-minded people and have a conversation. Absolutely. And just, I feel like and as an artist, that's, it's so, it's, it's, it's everything to just sit with someone and have a conversation. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're always going to be a, a student of life yes. and learning and growing and you're going to change your mind and there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it's interesting when I'm able to talk about my journey uh, on forums like this and be like, oh, wow, I was in the entertainment industry and then I was doing something else and now I'm sort of doing something else. And the, at the end of the day, 
it's about, I don't want to necessarily say personal happiness because I think that's a little bit overrated. And, um, it's a bit but broad of an idea. It is, it's a broad of an idea. And you know what? Like, let's be honest for a second. Like, some of us just feel like crap, and some of us, <laughs> like, are kind of okay feeling like crap. Um, so there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, we always need to be challenged and we always need to be adventurous with some of the things that we're doing. That's actually who we are as human beings inherently as explorers. We always have to be challenged. So as long as you're challenging yourself, you know, you're living a full life. And that's what I always, um, what I always live by is like, how am I challenging myself and how am I helping somebody? Like, what's my impact on the world? And I have skills now where if somebody needed a photo taken, yes, if that's what you need, or I need a script written, okay, I can do that. Not necessarily to give myself a title or a label because all of that is sort of overrated. You know, I call myself an artist. I don't paint but I'm sure that a lot of us hear the word artist and they think of what, an illustrator or, you know, I'm an artist in the, in the, I can also say that I'm an entrepreneur. And then that gets a broad brush of business and, and finance. Dude, I'm just a person. Like I'm just a human being just trying to like figure things out like everybody else is. And I've gone through enough experiences where I can share those experiences. I have a, at least some sort of skill set. I'm good at a lot of things. I'm great at one thing. <laughs> and for me to share myself with people and be vulnerable, which is scary and terrifying and horrifying, but for me to open myself up and to be authentic and to say, like, how can I help you? What's going on with you in your life? And for me to sit there and listen and to offer some insight, if you, so, if you ask for it, not me just delivering it to you, uh, because I'm not a know-it-all, even though I act like it sometimes. That's like my mission. And that's sort of the, the my fallback. So whenever I come up to any of these challenges, when I'm dealing with like people not necessarily understanding the, the work that I'm putting out there or dealing with toxic personalities, it's like I have to always be true to myself. And I always say that to everybody else. Be true to yourself and understand that every moment is a moment for you to change your life to be what you want it to be. And the past has already happened. So we can't lean on the past. We can lean on the past from experiences and learning what our and learning our skills, right? Because every moment that you live, every every day that passes, you have a new skill set that you didn't have the day before because it's a new lesson that was learned. And in the future, the future has not been written yet, my friend. So you can do whatever the hell you want, whenever you want, as long as you're not hurting anybody. It's mm -hmm. a great note to finish on. Uh, oh, are, are we done now? <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. I think that was a, a wonderful. No, I mean, challenge yourself. That is the real goal at the end of the day. I think Mentor Box members would absolutely agree with that. And so would Deontay and I. Um, don't hurt people and, you know, do. <laughs> Whatever you do, please don't go out there and mug anybody or knife Help anyone. people. That, that's, that's, the core of, that's the core of it all. Just like Deontay and you and we all agree with. We just have like shirts that say, don't knife anyone. <laughs> don't knife anyone. We're all wearing that right now. Be nice, don't knife. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So since we're not fans of labels here i think we're all in agreement of that actually i'm tyler lay mentor box human deontay arnold mentor box human and cj johnson human <laughs> i think we're all artists at the end of the day in some in some fashion or form but um thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed thanks cj for joining us today oh, thank you guys
Thank you so much for listening to the MentorBox podcast. If you want to learn more about what our authors as well as all of our authors teach, make sure to sign up at mentorbox.com. And if you like the MentorBox podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review in Apple Podcasts as that helps us get discovered by more people who will enjoy and be helped by what we do over here at MentorBox. Also, if you think of anyone who would enjoy or be helped by what we do here at MentorBox, be sure to let them know. We do what we do at MentorBox to try to make the world a better place through the incredible education our authors bring. And we can only do that through your help. So please help us spread the word. Again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the next MentorBox podcast.